everybody, welcome to the export. I'm Raven X, and alongside me, as always, is Biggie, aka Ethan Tay, aka somebody who I want to know what are your thoughts on WWE 2K23 so far? I know you got it this past week. I still haven't played like an actual match. Uh, I when I first when it first finished download, I spent like the first couple hours creating my own my wrestler for the my rise and then like I, I got really really busy so I haven't even had a chance to like touch my PlayStation um but from what I see I it, it looks better yeah I'll say this I didn't play this is the first what 2k I've gotten since I think 2k 18 and I think that's the one that has Seth Rollins on the cover I don't totally remember but like my old roommate used to have the game, so I would watch him play, like, some of the newer ones. And I can say by comparison, I think this one does look better, and I think it plays better. And like I was telling you, I mean, once you actually start playing, you kind of get the hang of things pretty quickly. So I think it's pretty fun. So between that 2K and NBA 2K, that's pretty much all I've been playing lately. I haven't even touched Madden in a, in a minute, actually. How do you feel about NBA 2K? It's cool. So I finally knocked out all of the like story mode stuff like trying to win the city and all the Shep Owens crap so now I can just focus on ball so I'm happy about that I'm on the Raptors and right now we're the top seed in the east I think I was telling you I hate Scotty Barnes as a teammate but everybody else is mostly cool and I was thinking about trading him but then again I don't want to mess up the chemistry of the team so we're gonna see how my rookie season goes and then after that Scotty might have to go I get that but yeah, I mean, speaking of players who gotta go, just like the NBA and 2K, it's the same thing in real life. There is so much confusion, shenanigans, and people on the move that we gotta talk about. So we're gonna kind of breeze through the NFL conversation, mainly um, and talk about Aaron Rodgers' decision to veto a trade to the New England Patriots to go to the Jets and whether or not that was the right choice. Um, with regards to the NBA, we got a lot of ground to cover from John Moran suspension to looking at Bradley Beal heading to Phoenix and a possible three-way trade that could be on the way as well as the NBA draft. It's a lot. So of course, before we get into it, please be sure to check out the export.net. I repeat the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. So without further ado, let's go ahead and kick off this NFL discussion. Uh, starting off with the retirement, long-term NFL linebacker Alec Ogletree has decided to retire from the league after nine seasons. He's a former first-round pick who spent time with the Rams, Giants, Bears, and Jets while starting 110 games in his career. Happy trails to him. Um, unfortunately, there's some big injury news coming out of New York. After trading for former Ravens safety Chuck Clark, he suffered a serious knee injury last week for the Jets, which people are expecting to be a season-ending injury, which sucks for him because this was a contract here. And in response, the New York Jets signed former Packers safety Adrian Amos, continuing to stock up on former teammates of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, moving on to the uh, Houston Texans, they gave defensive tackle Malik Collins a two-year contract extension worth up to $23 million, kind of helping to provide the cog along their defensive line. All right, now to Aaron Rodgers and that veto trade to the Patriots. 
I mean, throughout the offseason, when there were kind of ramblings of him being unhappy and leaving Green Bay, a few teams kind of surfaced. With I remember the Patriots being brought up a little bit, but I didn't know how serious of a contender they actually were. Well, according to Craig Carton, uh, Rodgers turned down the offer that would have sent him to the Patriots uh, because of his desire to play in the Big Apple. Reportedly, when Aaron Rodgers heard it, the Patriots offer, his agent said, no, we ain't playing for New England. We want to be a Jet. Carton went on to say that Rodgers made a great choice, saying, I want to thank my man Aaron Rodgers for recognizing you don't go play for Satan. I know that everybody's hyping up the Jets right now with Aaron Rodgers in place, just looking at their roster and the potential that they had last year. But in your opinion, do you think that Aaron Rodgers made the right decision picking the Jets over the Patriots? Absolutely. Um, I mean, when you think about the receiving core alone and the offense alone, I think he made the right decision. Like, yeah, I know the Jets, they kind of made some good free agency signings, you know, getting Juju. And um, I forget what other receiver that they signed. Uh, they signed Juju. They drafted Kayshawn Butte. They draft. They have Tyquan Thornton, a speedster who they got in the second round of last year's draft. They haven't been at it. Yep. Oh, and they also uh just signed Mike Jasicki, the tight end from Miami. That's right. Yeah. So like those moves are good, and I think like if you were to put Aaron Rodgers in there with Bill Belichick, I think they work. But I just think the overall talent on the Jets now with Aaron Rodgers in tow is better than what it will be in New England. And, I mean, regardless, like we and you said, if you were the ones in New England or um, New York, I don't think they'll be the best team in that division anyway. So if you're not going to be the best team in that division, might as well go for a team that you actually want to play for. So I think he did make the right decision. I would agree with that as well, um, because like you said, I think that had he gone to the Patriots, is their receiving core a major step up than what they had in Green Bay? I don't really think so. They have better tight ends, but I don't really know. And then, like you mentioned, I mean, you're already going to a tougher division, and so you're going to have to contend with the likes of the Jets, who you know would regardless still be in that quarterback market. They still have a really good defense, better offense. And we already spoke really highly of the uh, Dolphins and the Bills over the course of this offseason. So, I mean, I think he made the right choice as well. But I think it would have been interesting, um, if not for any other reason, what number was he going to wear in New England? Because he can't wear 12. That's Tom Brady's number, so I wonder if he would have wore an eight or went with a different number. But all right, one more thing before we play our game of believable or buffoonery. Last season, Detroit Lions were favorites on the HBO series Hard Knocks, and it seems like they may end up being the pick this year as well. Reportedly, NFL uh, Films has reached out to the Lions to do Hard Knocks for a second consecutive season, as they have struggled to find the team willing to do it this year. They can force the Jets, Saints, Commanders, or Bears to do it, but they're facing resistance from those teams. So in your opinion, would you want to see the Lions do it again, or do you think it should be somebody else? So, I think me and you talked about this. I've never seen any of the seasonal hard knocks at all. Um, so, it's hard for me to really answer. I mean, I think the the Lions are entertaining team from the personality of Dan Campbell. I know that Jamal Williams is gone. Uh, Sure, why not? 
I'll say this. I've gotten to hard knocks over the past couple years. While I think the Je- I mean the Lions will be interesting, I think if they do it again, it kind of sets a precedent where teams like, oh, I really don't have to do it. I don't want to do it. And I think that it gives fans a really interesting perspective into teams to kind of see the inner workings of the locker room and get to see the personalities of the athletes and the coaches alike so we're not just seeing them as these quote-unquote sports heroes who don't really have a personality off the field. So I don't think it should be the Lions again just because I like the parody and kind of switching things up a bit. And if I had my way, I want to see the Jets. Mainly because there's just been so much hype surrounding them. They've made arguably the biggest move of the offseason in trading for Aaron Rodgers. I want to see the dynamic of the team. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be Aaron Rodgers centered for it to be. Because like I would be interested to see what sauce is like in the locker room. Guys like Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall. Um, just the integration of all these new players as well as Coach Robert Sala as well. So if I had my pick, I would like to see the Jets get it. And I'm hoping that... The NFL kind of makes them do it because at the end of the day, they can say they don't want it to do it till they're blue in the face. But some people would probably relish the opportunity because, I mean, so many stars over the years have developed from hard knocks, whether it be because of their personality, seeing their progression throughout the preseason, which has made them fan favorites. And I think that every year we see it on hard knocks and I don't think this will be any different. So I don't see the reason not to do it. But all right, let's go ahead and play this quick game of Believable or Buffoonery so you we can get to the NBA updates because Lord knows it is a lot. But let's go ahead and start off with the New Orleans Saints, one of the teams that possibly could be on hard knocks this season. Derek Carr talked about his 2022 season and admitted that he wasn't exactly his best self in his final year in Vegas. He said, I just didn't feel like myself and I feel bad for the Raiders coaches and players. Now in a new environment with a new team, new players around him, believable or buffoonery, the Saints will bring out the best version of Derek Carr. I'm going to say I think it's believable. Uh, I think that the city of New Orleans is just like one of those cities to where you can go and you can revitalize your career. I mean, that's what happened with Drew Brees, honestly. Right. He went there from San Diego because of the injury. He, I'm not, no way do I think Derek Carr is going to turn out to be anything close to Drew Brees. But I do think that he can go there. Um, they also have some really good weapons on offense, and he can have a productive couple of seasons. I think so, too. I mean, especially if this is a move. Like, some people, players are moved to a new team, and they didn't exactly want it. But this seemed to be kind of a mutual thing on both sides between the Raiders and Derek Carr. And he's going to a team that I think is just simply put better than the Raider that ran the Raiders. So I think that this gives him an opportunity to kind of get a fresh start, can kind of get a new beginning they're in a winnable division so I think this could be the best Derek Carr that we've seen as long as he stays healthy uh kind of talking about new things former first round pick for the Arizona Cardinals uh Isaiah Simmons who was known for his versatility in college at Clemson for both being a really good safety and linebacker um is going to make a new position change originally he spent the first three years in the NFL as a linebacker but it seems like the team is making the switch moving him to D defensive back in the final year of his rookie contract i don't know how much you know about isaiah simmons so this may be a hard question to answer but believable or buffoonery isaiah simmons making a position change will revitalize his career i know a little bit i know a decent amount about him because i remember 
when he came out, when he was drafted, that was the big thing that everybody was saying was like, he was great at playing inside linebacker, great at playing um, safety, was kind of decent at playing a little bit of outside linebacker. But do I think, I think he could change his, um, I think he could revitalize his career because it's just one of those things to where if linebacker, if you play in multiple positions, what do you, what, um, what do your stats look like in each position? And if your stats at linebacker aren't looking that great and they might look a little bit better at safety, then kind of go ahead and just give him the full-time role. Very similar to Michael Parsons where he was playing linebacker and he is. Mm-hmm. And looked and it's like, oh, this dude's a dynamic pass rusher. We should just go ahead and just make him a full-time DN. And they finally did it. So, I mean, I think it'll be good. And also, the, th- the reality is, is when you're playing an actual safety, you can you more than likely are in today's NFL at times a quasi-linebacker anyway. So, he's still going to have dual roles regardless. Yeah, um, I'm going to say believable as well. I think this is a good move for both sides. One, in looking at Isaiah Simmons, I remember when he was getting drafted, because I'll admit, he was my favorite defensive prospect of that 2020 class. Um, and mind you, that was the year that we beat him in the uh, Clemson in the national championship because LSU was insane that year. But I say that to say I remember one of his quotes coming out was, if you draft me, it's like you have 12 players on defense, kind of speaking of that versatility. And while at linebacker, it hasn't exactly been the best transition for him since kind of getting to the NFL. He hasn't had many vital moments. I think that his versatility and his ability to play safety could revitalize his career and like maybe linebacker didn't work because he was meant to play safety. Maybe this is the better overall move. And then if you look at the team, I mean, it's not like they really got much to lose. I mean, right now, their secondary is a bit depleted, and who knows what's going to happen with Buda Baker if he may end up getting traded. So I think that it doesn't hurt if Isaiah Simmons comes back there and thrives as a DB. You get to keep him in the fold. He can really kind of help take over for Buda if Buda does end up getting traded. And worst-case scenario, if he plays bad, he's a free agent after this year, so you're not really losing any sleep about it. So I think it's a good move as well. All right, moving on. We talked about the bit a bit about the Patriots because of the quarterback position. Well, their wide receiver position is another spot that could be looked at. This past week, DeAndre Hopkins has taken visits to both the Tennessee Titans and New England Patriots. And from all reports, it seems like the Patriots and Hopkins did have a good visit with one another. Um, when Mac Jones was asked about the possibility of adding um, DeAndre Hopkins to the team, this is what he had to say. If I go, okay, there you go. Obviously, we would love to have him, but I've been really pleased with the playmakers we have on our team. I'm not going to lie to you. We, You and I just kind of talked about the playmakers they have on that team, and I'll admit it leaves much to be desired. So, believable or buffoonery, the Patriots need DeAndre Hopkins. I think so. Because I don't – it's hard to say that, like, DeAndre Hopkins is like a top five wide receiver in the NFL because he served he served a lot of time off the field for various reasons. But I still think that he's better than what you have currently. Like, in my opinion, him he's a better version of Juju because he's a possession receiver. Juju's a possession receiver. Um, he's a guy that you can make 
you can throw up and he can make contested catches. I just think that he, he could be a game changer, especially given the fact of, like, in my opinion, Mac Jones, bro, coming off the season you had, you want to bring in as many new weapons as you can. Right. So I I think it's, I think it's believable. I'm going to say buffoonery only because even if you bring in D-Hop, do you view them as, I won't even say the best team in the division. Would you even say they're the second or third best team in the division with D-Hop in tow? Uh, no. Yeah. And so that's why it's like, on the one hand, it would be a good move. Like, it helps Mac Jones' development. But at the end of the day, I would think that they're trying to do things that would kind of get them over the hump and put them over other teams in the division. And as great as D-Hop is and as much as I love D-Hop, I just don't think this is the move that would do it. And so it's like, I don't know if it's worth – like, I'm not saying don't bring him in. But I don't think that they need him only because I don't think it puts them over the top. D-Hop has been one of the best wide receivers for years. But how many times has that led to actual success from his teams, both with the Texans and the Cardinals? And I think what D-Hop has made the playoffs four or five times in his career, something like that. I know it's not many. And so it just it's one of those things where so you can have one of the best wide receivers in the league, but that does not mean that you are it's going to lead to success. And so in that retrospect, I'm gonna say no, but that does not mean they shouldn't sign him. But all right, last piece before we go ahead and move on. Another valuable free agent on the market is Dalvin Cook, who was released last week by the Minnesota Vikings. Recently, he came on the Adam Schefter podcast to kind of talk about free agency and talked about an interesting pair possibility. Um, On the podcast, he was asked about DeAndre Hopkins and said this, I know his mindset and I did play against D-Hop numerous times. Um, numerous amounts of times when I've been with D hop we did chill together we have been around each other and I kind of see the person that he is he wants to win he continued I want to go win like I said the money is going to come and that's going to happen but like as far as lift that Vince Lombardi trophy up he got the same mindset as me and also mentioned that that duo would be pretty dangerous I mean believable or buffoonery D hop and Dalvin Cook would be the best running back wide receiver duo in the league today. Mm. I'm going to say buffoonery because I would go Christian McCaffrey and Debo. Yeah. If I had to pick one off the top of my head. But what do you think? Uh, I'm just because you said that, because I was trying to think of wide receiver, running back duos. You could maybe throw Nick Chubb and Amari Cooper out there. Mm-hmm. Um, if he stayed, you could throw Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon. Yeah. And it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, like even with Debo and Christian McCaffrey, I mainly say them because I don't think that Debo is like significantly better than DeAndre Hopkins, but I think that Christian McCaffrey is significantly better than Dalvin Cook. And then, like, Jamar and Joe. I think Dalvin Cook is better than Joe, but I would definitely take Jamar over DeAndre Hopkins at this point of their careers. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to say buffoonery. Yeah, I say buffoonery as well, but I think it'd be fun. All right, now, and this is another one. If they were to go to – if. Dalvin Cook went to Miami. I think him and Tyreek Hill would be the best. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, now let's go ahead and move on to the NBA because, like we said, it's a lot to talk about. So let's start off with some happy trails. Um, Mr. Six Man, Lou Will, has announced after 17 years that he is retiring. Um, he was he has won three Six Man of the Year awards and is the all-time leading bench scorer. I mean, he's played for several different teams, really helped to make the Six Man spot what it is today. In your opinion, is he the greatest Six Man of all time? I would still give it to Manu. Yeah, that's a good one. I would say, yeah, I I, I would think I would go with Manu. I would put Lamar Odom up there, and then I think I would go Lou Will. But, I mean, Lou Will. I'll say this. Lou Will was the coolest six man. I would oh, yeah. I mean, he Drake made a whole song about dude. Yeah. So, he definitely one of the – he probably the, like, most known. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, congratulations to him. Happy trails. It's wild to think that he plays 17 years because he still looks like he's in his 20s. It's insane. Um, but moving on to some other front office news, starting with the Charlotte Hornets. It's been reported that Michael Jordan is finalizing a trade of the Charlotte Hornets to a group led by uh, Gay, Gay Plockton and Rich Chennault. Ending his 13-year run as majority or owner, it's been fun. Apparently, he's still going to have a lot of influence in who the Charlotte Hornets are going to take second overall this Thursday uh, with their draft pick. Um, also in front office news, the Golden State Warriors have hired a new general manager promoting former 15-year NBA vet Mike Dunleavy to the position. So congratulations to him. And now to the player news. Um, after a long wait, it has officially been announced that John Morant is going to be suspended 25 games to start the 2023-2024 season. I know we kind of talked about it a little bit before, but in your opinion, is it too many, too little games, or just the right amount? In my opinion, I think it's, it's just the right amount. Because last season, when Miles Bridges went through the whole domestic violence um, situation, they gave him 30 games. And in my opinion, Yes, I know Jaws, he was a repeat offender. But, like, in my opinion, you couldn't give him more than you gave Miles Bridges because Miles Bridges actually broke the law. Um, And it's also the standpoint of, like, if he misses 25 games, then he won't be eligible for any of the, um, like, major awards because of the new rule of you have to play, what, 71 games? Uh, I thought it was, yeah, that sounds about right, 70-something games. So like with this suspension, he he won't get the maximum earnings of his contract because he won't be eligible for these awards. So like he's losing out on a nice chunk of money. Uh, so I think he's just right. I think all the people that are saying like he should be gone for like half a year and all of that, like y'all talking about the side of y'all neck. Like yes, what he did was incredibly stupid, but like. It's not worthy of him being gone for a whole year or half a year. Like what I think is, what I think they should do is they should make suspend him for those five twenty five games and make it mandatory that he goes to like counseling, like over the course of this off season and all of those other things. That's what I think they should do. Yeah. But I think the total number of games is just right. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I saw some reports that the NBA PA is, like, looking to possibly appeal it. And it's like, what's the point? 
Like, I don't really think it's necessary. Just take your games. Like I told you, like, I hope he gets his priorities in order. Everything gets taken care of. Because at this point, it's just like, I don't think it's really no point. Um, It's not that big of a deal. Now, I'm interested to know, do you believe, because he said that it was a toy gun. Or not a toy gun, it was a lighter. Do you believe it was actually a real gun or a toy gun? Uh, I could buy some stock in it being a lighter. But, I mean, again... It's, to me, it's the optics of it. It's like, bro, whether it's a lot, whether it's real or fake, like you put it up to your face on camera after you just got reprimanded for doing the same thing. Yeah. So regardless of if it's real or not, you shouldn't have did it in the first place. Yeah, it's still stupid. And low-key, it makes it even worse if you did it with a toy because, bro, you just got in trouble for this. Why are you doing this again? But, yeah, I'm happy that there's resolution on the situation um, with regards to Ja and the rest of the league. But now, turning things over to the Grizzlies as a whole, what do you think's next for them? I report, I saw some reports that they are kind of looking to trade Tyus Jones so he can get a full-time starting opportunity, which, honestly, in light of the Ja Moran situation, I personally wouldn't do. But what do you think that the Grizzlies are going to do in response to this? How are they going to man that uh, point guard position? First, I don't think they should draft Tyus. I mean, like, he's he's proven that he could be a serviceable starting point guard for them in the absence of Ja. Um, I think they could obviously keep Tyus and maybe look in free agency to find a backup. Um, or they could potentially bring back Kennedy Chandler and have him as their third point guard in the backup role. I don't I don't necessarily think they're gonna look for that to fill their role in the draft because I think the more pressing need is finding a capable small forward. Right. But I I think that'll be something that happens is like they keep ties. And I mean even if Ja is gone for like even if Ja's gone for twenty five games, you keep ties for those twenty five and then if you wanna trade them, then you can trade them mm-hmm. like at the trade deadline. Um so I think that's what'll happen. Is they'll maybe half ties look to trade them at the trade deadline when Ja comes back and maybe bring in a cheaper free agent um to play the bag of PG. Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to some of this trade news. Now, Shams reported um, not even half an hour ago that it looks that a trade is going to be coming up between the Wizards, Celtics, and Clippers. Reported they're in strong talks that would send Christoph Porzingis to Boston, Marcus Morris in draft compensation to Washington, and Malcolm Brogdon to Los Angeles. Reportedly, signs are still working. The sides are working through uh, details in Porzingis' 36 million year player option. How do you like this trade so far? Do you think that there's a specific team that's becoming stronger? Do you think there's a team that's becoming weaker? What are your thoughts here? Um, I think the clip. Just looking at it, the Clippers are the obvious winner in my opinion because you're bringing in. Like I know there's talks around them maybe bringing re-signing Russ or bringing in Chris Paul, but in my opinion, if you bring in Malcolm Brogdon and he's your starting point guard. That's a plus. Like, he's not – when he's healthy, he's not a bad player because he's a guy that – he's a capable shooter. 
He can set up your offense. When you need him to score, he can. He can serve a multitude of roles. I think Boston, um, getting Kristaps is good because he kind of helps fill out a position of need in center or maybe power forward, depending on how you want to play him out. But, like, he's he's Kristaps. He always gets hurt. Yeah. Um, and I think as far as the Wizards, I think they just did that for the drafts on the draft pick because they'll probably buy out Marcus Morris's contract anyway. Yeah, and I mean, we're going to get to it in a bit, but I think Chris Paul is going to be on his way out tune anyway. So I think that's pretty much what you said. Um, But, yeah, I for the Clippers, I do like that move a lot with Malcolm Brogdon. And like you said, it does present an interesting conversation of if you do get Malcolm Brogdon, do you just thug it out with him? Are you still looking at possibly bringing back Russ? Is CP3 on your radar? Maybe one of them coming off the bench? How do you view that position? But then it creates interesting conversations with regards to the Celtics because it's like, well, what are y'all going to do at point guard? So, like you said, Chris Porzingis, when he's been good, he's been very good, but he has been inconsistent and unavailable due to injury. So I think this trade will be interesting um, if it does officially happen, but it's still not going to compare to the trade that we're about to talk about right now with my boy Bradley Beal heading to the desert. As this past weekend, he was traded to the Phoenix Suns. Um, in return, the Phoenix Suns are going to send Chris Paul, Landry Shamet, and multiple second-round picks and pick swaps to the Wizards in this deal while the Suns get Bradley Beal. So we're going to break this down into multiple different conversations. We're going to start off with number one. Who do you feel like won this trade? Um, I'm going to be honest. I don't feel like nobody won it. I think... Obviously, when you look at it on paper and you see the name Bradley Beal the Phoenix, you think like the Suns won it. But to me, it's like, bro, you just got a, you just got a third player with a super big contract to be the third best player on your champion on your team, and y'all didn't address any of the needs that y'all needed to actually address. Like he doesn't help with y'all. He doesn't help with y'all bench still. He doesn't add defense. Um, so you just added a guy that you're paying a huge price tag to when you could have, like, made other moves to really help your team that would have put y'all in a better place to win in the West. Like, I don't see – like, this Phoenix team, I, they're not better than Denver. No. Like, so it's like you just added a, you just added a superstar guy – a big contract guy to be to not even be the best team in your conference. Um, Washington, I think it's cool because they're like they're in the place where like they just want to rebuild, so they're adding draft picks. But I don't necessarily think anybody won the deal. I think in terms of teams, I don't think there's a winner. I think Bradley Beal personally won because now he gets to go to a winning team who we both agree. They're not better than Denver. But I think at least he'll get to know what it's like to win games, which is nice. And also, because he's now going to a team where essentially he is the third plus best player, that's going to open things a lot for him offensively. Because, I mean, you can't double team him 
with KD on the court. You can't double team him with Devin Booker on the court. So that's going to open up a lot of things for him. So I think that we could see him possibly have some of his best scoring output years that we've seen throughout his career because of this. And for that, I am happy for him. Um, But like you said, neither team won, which goes into the next question of should the Suns be considered favorites in the West? Um, As of right now, I believe that they have the, let me see, try to find it. I think that they have the, third best um voting third best uh betting odds i'm sorry to be nba champions next year that's crap (laughs) and we can talk about a little bit more but i think that's major crap because you hit it on the head with what bench are the phoenix suns going to win with like i get it kd is there bradley beal has just got there devin booker is there What else do you have? Because you and I are both in agreement. DeAndre Ayton is going to have to go, if not for any other reason, but financially. So God forbid one of those guys or two of those guys go down. The Suns are screwed because now you kind of put yourself in essential cap hell because you have three guys making over 40 plus mil a year. And you're expecting that you guys are going to be able to thrive with literally nobody on the bench. It just makes no sense to me how everybody is just like, oh, the Suns are the best team. The Suns are going to do this. The Suns are going to do that. No, the hell they aren't because they don't have a bench. Also, I forgot who uh, Frank Vogel is their coach. Yeah. That's right. Um, yeah, I don't I don't see it. Like, in my opinion, the team that should be favored is the team that just won the championship. Exactly. Because, like, they're, like, they're the best. They're they're the team that's the most assembled from an overall standpoint. Like they have everything that their team needs to win. You have your superstar in Nikola Jokic. You have a great second option in Jamal Murray. Then you have role player guys like Aaron Gordon. He's a good defensive player, and he plays well alongside Nikola Jokic. You have Michael Porter Jr. who can be um, a good third offensive option when someone another guy has an off night. You have KCP who can play good defense and knock down threes. You have they have a good bench. And then like you have like you have younger pieces that are developing like the Christian Brown guy that had a good game, won a good game in the finals and he's he's just gonna be going into his second year. Like and then you look at some of these other teams, like even though like the whole John Moran situation, but like the Grizzlies, like they can still grow and become a better um, cohesive team, especially if they are able to address this um, small forward situation. Like I get to me, it's like people are getting caught up in this 2K hype around like having a bunch of really good players on one team. But, like, as we've seen, like, that just doesn't win. Yeah. Like, the only exception you might say is Boston. But the difference with Boston and, like, Miami is, like, the guys that were on the same team, their games fit each other. I'm sorry to interrupt, but, yeah, I mean, realistically, we look at these video game teams and we look at these quote-unquote big threes. I can't think of... I'm really trying to think of a team that had three superstars that won. The 76ers didn't do it. The Nets didn't do it. 
the only team that I would kind of say did it is the Warriors. But, I mean, they've had their core together forever. So, it's like, I don't know if they necessarily fit into that equation. And, like you said, I mean, it looks good on, like, 2K. They're going to be super fun to play with. But in real life, I just don't see it leading to success unless they find some real diamonds on the rough to play on their bench. Um, but let's go ahead and move on to what's next for not only CP3, but DeAndre Ayton. Let's start off with CP3. He's been traded to the Washington Wizards, and it's already been reported that they would like to keep him in tow, but if he wants to play for a contender, they will honor that trade. And so with Malcolm Brogdon um, possibly heading to L.A., like I mentioned, that could be a potential domino that falls that makes the Clippers not a destination anymore. But what do you think is next for CP3 after this trade? I definitely think he's going to ask to go to a contender. Um... With Malcolm Brogdon going to LA, unless he's willing to come off the bench, the logical my the logical piece in my mind would probably say go to Boston or maybe LA, the other team in LA, the Lakers. Um because I just don't see any other like um like championship caliber teams like maybe maybe Miami but I feel like he doesn't necessarily fit what Miami needs right now they need like another score um and he's not that level of score at this point in his career yeah uh, I'm sorry to interrupt but they also already got an old point guard in Kyle Lowry what's the point of adding two point guard having two point guards until who I'm about to be 40 yeah so I would maybe say Boston or your Lakers. Unfortunately, I agree with you about the Lakers. I think this is just setting up the dominoes for him to go to LA. And again, I've said it before. I'll say it again. This is like, if he does go to LA, it'll be 11 years too late for me to get excited about it. I don't think that it is, it makes sense, but it's not exactly a move that's going to get us over the top, if not for any other reason. But we're already going through repeated injury concerns with Anthony Davis. LeBron James is going to be, what, 39 in December. You already got Chris Paul, who is dealing with his fair share of injuries as well. I don't like it in terms of thinking it makes our team significantly better, but it would fill a need. And I think that he's probably going to end up getting bought out of Washington, which is going to make his deal significantly cheaper, which is a plus. But... I don't exactly like it as a Lakers fan. But all right, let's go ahead and change gears to DeAndre Ayton. Um, I sent you a graphic that pretty much just showed the amount of money that each of these uh, stars for Phoenix are going to make for and with the Bradley Beal. And so it puts the Suns over the luxury tax, which is at 162 mil with Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal's, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton's contracts, it's going to put them over the luxury tax with those four players alone, which means it's pretty safe to say DeAndre Ayton is going to be moved. But what what stop do you think he's going to make? Where is he going? Um, I think I said it when we talked about it off air, but I could see maybe a team like Charlotte because – like, they could potentially trade him there and maybe get some depth in return because you can get a guy like Gordon Hay. Let's say Charlotte drafts Brandon, Brandon Miller 
he's going to be their starting small forward. So you could potentially trade DeAndre Ayton for an expiring Aaron um, Gordon Hayward contract and maybe pair it with some other guys or some draft picks and make it work. And then you could potentially get depth that way. Um. So, yeah, or maybe double dipping into the wiz Like, he'll have to go to, like, somewhat of a bad team. Yeah, for is sure. the only way I see it working out. Yeah, Um. I'm trying to think. I said Portland when we kind of talked off the air, but even then, they pretty they made it abundantly clear that they want a wing player. They want to get somebody who can kind of help Damian Lillard in terms of scoring, which makes total sense, um, which could happen this week with if they trade the third overall pick. Um, but I think Hornets make a lot of sense. I'm trying to think of a team that it's weird because I don't know exactly what they would get in return for him. Because like we both said, like this past season didn't exactly do DeAndre Aiden any favors in terms of raising his draft stock. And so because of that, it's like what team would try to get him that would actually give this Phoenix Suns something significant in return. So it might end up being – I'm sorry, what you say? I was going to say maybe the Raptors because it's like – they made it known. Apparently, they made it known that like everybody's up for trade outside of Scotty Barnes. So again, maybe you could get like let's say a Gary Trent, um, and some of their pieces off their bench for the because for one they they've been playing. If I'm not mistaken, at some point they were playing Pascal Siakam as their center and dudes like six eight. Um. Because that's that's also the reason why I think he will work out for the Hornets because the Hornets have never had an actual center with size. Like, so, yeah, I don't know. It's weird with – I could see the Raptors, but my question is how deep into a rebuild are they trying to go? Because if they really are, like, committing themselves to a rebuild and kind of trying to start from scratch, do you want to take on a 32-plus mil contract? It's weird. It's a very interesting spot to be in, but I'm not I'm not totally sure how it's going to work. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think you pretty much laid out a really good trade with regards to them and the um, uh, Charlotte Hornets, who definitely could use a big. So if I had to bet, I think that would probably be my, my uh, guess as well. But, all right, let's go ahead and move on to <laughs> two of uh, – the more interesting NBA figures, and that's Carl Anthony Towns and Patrick Beverly. The two former teammates had a conversation on Pat Beverly's podcast, and there were some really interesting statements made. And so what we're going to do is we are going to rank the quotes from this interview from the most wild to the most believable. So what I'm going to do first is I'm going to read the four statements and then we can go from there in terms of ranking them. Um, But to start things off, uh, Kat mentioned that, I mean, not Kat, Patrick Beverly mentioned that he believed that Carl Anthony Towns was the best big man in the league. Another statement that came from Carl Anthony Towns was when I'm when my time's up and I retire, there's going to be people who are going to say that I changed the game. When comparing the 2022 Timberwolves playoff run 
to the Denver Nuggets NBA championship, Carl Anthony Towns said, it was more special what we did in Minnesota. And last but not least, Carl Anthony Towns said, if you let me call the plays, I can go get you 40 anytime I want. So let's start off with the most wild statement of the four. Ethan, in your opinion, which one was the craziest to you? That's tough, because out of the four, three of them were completely inside of me. Yes, and I feel like we got, okay, let's let's flip it. Which do you think is the most realistic? Because I think Cat dropping 40 a night is the most realistic. Me too. Okay. Because, I mean, I, I agree. Because, like, I don't like Carl Anthony Towns. I'm not a fan. But I can admit that he is a really extremely talented NBA player that has the offensive capabilities if given the right chance that I can see him putting up big numbers on a nightly basis. Yeah, for sure. And especially, like he said, if he's calling the plays, of course you're going to call the plays to go to you. So, yeah, for sure. So, that's the least crazy one. Okay, now, two through three. Now, for me, the second one that was, it's still insane, but I guess not insane as the others, was the claim about the Timberwolves' playoff run being more special. Not because I agree by any means, but because they did, they brought together a lot of players pretty late in the season and were able to make it happen and nobody really thought that they would be able to. And so, again, I don't agree that it's more special than the NBA championship, but I can understand why they felt good about it because I believe it was a lot of the players, excluding Pat Bell's first time making the playoffs. So, of course, they feel like it was special because they made it, if that makes sense. I can give some validity, I can give some validity to that if they were saying, like, it's more special to us. Yes, but they said in general, which is obviously cap. But I would say that's the second least wild, even though it's still insane. Okay, for me, number... I lied. I definitely lied. Um, Number three for me was Cap being the best big man in the league. Because no, <laughs> absolutely not. Man, I would say he's top five. But last I checked, Nikola Jokic is still in the league. Um, Joel Embiid still plays. Giannis Antetokounmpo is still in the league. So, no. Absolutely not. So, this is tough because the, the last two statements, I think, are the same level of complete insanity. Um, so, I'll just break it down from this standpoint because I don't think one is crazier than the other one. I think they're both that. That is crazy. So, I'll address the Carl Anthony Towns as the best big man. Carl Anthony Towns has never been the best big man in the NBA his entire career. No. I can name, I don't need, I forget how long, I don't, matter of fact, I'm going to look it up. How long has Carl Anthony Towns been in the NBA? Um, 15, 16 maybe? Let's see. I know he's the first overall pick. Uh, yeah, he was drafted in um, 2015. So 2015. So that's about so, eight years. Eight years. All right, do do me a 
Do me this. I want you to tell me the year, and I will tell you the best big man of each year. Bet. All right, let's let's just go in descending order. This season, Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jokic. Last season, Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jokic. Year before that, Giannis. I don't consider Giannis a big, but I get. I'll say the year before that, it would, in my opinion, it would still either be Nikola Jokic or, or Joe. Right. Year before that. So that is what twenty nineteen. Nineteen. Big. Ad. I'll probably. Either a, I would say either AD or because they're still it, you can still make the argument for Jokic or Embiid. Pretty much throughout, uh, wasn't a cat's entire career, there has been at least Jokic and Embiid or one of the two ahead of him. I would say his early, his early years, I would say the best big was Demarcus Cousins because there was sure. one Demarcus in his prime for sure. But so again, at no point in his, in no point of his NBA career has he been the best big man during any season at all. No one would even say it. So that that statement alone is completely crazy. Yeah. Uh. And so I'm gonna let you break down the first one, and then I just touch on it. Okay. And then the one that was <laughs> no. <laughs> Was Cat saying that once he retired, people will say that he changed the game? I never agree with Kendrick Perkins, but I think he hit it on the head when he said, how can you change the game when at times we don't even know you exist? Yeah, so no. Absolutely not. Because what have you changed? We've seen uh, big men who can score and who can shoot threes. You're not a unicorn. You're not unique in that. What have you changed? The only thing he has changed consistently is how his voice sounds in interviews and when he's streaming and all that other stuff. That is all I got for you. I don't. I can't say nothing else he has changed. At nothing at all. Because, again, like, I remember it was on, it was the, the the lady that does this on I am athlete the normal lady I forgot her name mm-hmm. but in order to change the game you have to be a pioneer yes Colin you, know, you are the pioneer in the way that the bigs are being the bigs they play now you have on a long on from a uh uh um a more recent scale you have Demarcus Cousins because he was the first. Most recently, he was the first big before all these other guys where you saw big shooting threes, playing off the dribble, all of those things. People don't want to give him credit for it, but he he was. Right. But look at further than that, like you have the Dirk Nowinskis, you have the Marcus Alls, you have the Artists of Bonuses, all of these other bigs that necessarily been we're doing the things that you're doing and it's like bro you're not you you might shoot better than some of these guys but like you aren't you aren't doing anything that no one has done before yeah it's and again not to knock cat we talk about cat a lot on this show but we both acknowledge that he is a good player but he is not a great player. He is not even the best player on his team. 
He yeah. hasn't been the best player on his team for like the past season and a half since Ant yeah. really got it together. So, needless to say, all of three out of the four of these statements are incredibly insane, but they're all big hoopla. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to the NBA draft preview before we play our game of believable or buffoonery. It's pretty much a foregone conclusion that uh, Wimby is going to be the first name called Thursday night as he's going to go to the San Antonio Spurs. Be very interesting to see how he interacts with Coach Pop, all that good stuff. But a lot of the conversation now is coming around that second overall pick in what the Hornets are going to do. Reportedly, they're really favoring Brandon Miller. That seems to be their guy. But should he be their guy? In your opinion, who do you think is the better option, Scoot or Brandon? I think Brandon, just because, I mean, the reality is, is like, he's, he feels a position of need because he's a wing. Like, you could either put him at the two guard or you could play him at small forward. And it just, in overall perspective of the way that he plays, he's a better fit because he kind of fits the similar mold of like Paul George. On a, from an offensive standpoint, a fluid wing that can shoot, can get to the rim. Um, and like Scoop, when you look at it, it's like, bro, he's a 6'2 point guard. You have a 6'7 point guard in LaMelo Ball. So like that make the backcourt kind of weird. So I think Brandon Miller's the better bet. I think so too. Um, but it does create that interesting conversation of what what happens with Scoop. And so that kind of leads us to our next question. So there has been a lot of talks that the Pelicans have really wanted to move into that top three. They have been trying their best to do so. Um, however, in order to do that, somebody's going to have to get moved if they're going to move all the way up there. Now, reportedly, the Hornets have said that if they are going to trade that second overall pick to the Horn, I mean, to uh, the Pelicans, they'd rather have uh, Brandon Ingram over Zion Williamson. Whereas it's been reported that with the Trailblazers, if they were to make that trade, the third pick, they want Zion as opposed to Brandon Ingram. So we got T minus 48 hours before the draft comes. Do you think that the Pelicans will move into that top three? And if so, is Zion or B.I. moved? I think they might. And I think Zion would be the one that they move because, yes, Zion is a once-in-a-lifetime talent, but the best ability is availability. Yes. Like, he he hasn't shown the, um, the will to, like, keep his body in good health and in good shape. And I think the reality is, is like, Scoot is another guy that could be a generational talent. Like, he, and especially in today's in NBA, like, Scoot can be, like, John Morant with, with a jump shot. Because he's a hyper-athletic point guard, and he's also a really capable shooter. Right. Uh, and that's something that you can you can really build around and like B.I. even though like he has had injury concerns 
on on his own. But he's also a guy that you've seen like when he's on when he's on the court and when he's healthy, he can he can like help you win ball games. Like they made they made uh, a surprise almost surprise run to the playoffs after Zion got hurt because of BI. And I think he'll be a bet he can compliment um, especially if you do some other things like you might have to come off with CJ McCollum and get a a kind of like three and D guy at the two. Um but like yeah, I think Zion will be the one that has to go. Now, for the sake of conversation, let's say they do get that third overall pick, they send Zion to Portland. We get Dame and Zion together. How far do you think that duo can lead this team? If Dame and Zion are together and both are healthy, I I could see them making it best if they gel well and the pieces around them are good. I could see them making a surprise. They could potentially be a surprise Western Conference team. At worst, I could see them making the second being a second round playoff exit. I mean, considering where both teams have been over the past years and referencing the, uh, what's it called, the Trailblazers and Pelicans, that's a win. I would take that every day. Um, I think between the two, I think Zion is more likely to get traded. Because, I mean, even during the season, there was kind of conversations about, well, maybe he would be better suited to move just because he like you said the best ability is availability and he has not been available but then you add on top all of this unnecessary drama going on with him where it's just like I could see the Pelicans being like we don't need this like you are getting talked about more because of this BS you got going on with these women as opposed to what you've been able to do on the court and we've already tried to give you all these opportunities. We've given you this money. We've given you this chance. And you haven't made the most of it. And so I could see them washing their hands of the situation and being like, you know what? Screw it. We're going to move on and we're going to try something else. So between the two, I could see Zion being the one on the move. But as we all know, draft night is a very exciting time, as it could mean a lot of players possibly being on the way out of their respective teams, more so than just Zion or Brandon Ingram or guys that we have already previously mentioned. So what we are going to do is list three players who we truly feel could be traded on draft night. So we alternated. You want to go? How you want to do it? We can alternate. Bad, bad, bad. All right, so my number three is boring, but Chris Paul... I mean, we already know he's not going to want to stay with the Pel. I mean, not the Pelicans, the Wizards. I mean, he's, like I said, he's almost 40. If I'm at this age, I want to play for a contender. The Wizards absolutely are not that. And so I think he ends up getting moved on draft night. Uh, my number three is Chris Paul as well because, I mean, he's obvious. Yeah. Now, two for me is Paul George. And so I had Paul George already listed just because I would not be surprised if – for example, 
if the trailblazers are really aggressive and trying to get a wing and they're still trying to get somebody to kind of pair with dame if they want to get a veteran and then reports have started to come out that the clippers are gauging paul george's trade value and giving real consideration to the idea of disassembling the Kawhi and paul george tandem which i think it's safe to say has been a bit of a disappointment so i think if somebody was to give them a good enough offer I could see this move taking place and then Paul George being out. Um, for me, my two, I'm going to go with OG Ananobi. I could see OG. Because they keep, I keep hearing reports that they don't want to trade him, but I feel like if they get a godfather offer, they're not going to turn it down. It, it doesn't make any sense to turn it down. Um, and then my number one is OG's teammate, Pasco Siakam. I think that we've heard so much about the Raptors possibly, you know, making trades and making big changes to their roster. Pasco Siakam has been really, really good, but it's clear they're trying to make the transition where Scotty Barnes is the guy and is the star of that team, which means that the best way to kind of establish that is to move the previous star and Pasco Siakam. And I think that of the players on their roster, he could possibly get them the biggest trade return. My number one is a guy that uh, I think the best way to describe it ha- is has a love-hate relationship with the, his current team. I'm going to say Julius Randle. Yeah, it, it's weird with Julius Randle just because, I mean, what, see, what was that season before last? He was pretty good. Jalen Brunson comes in and takes over, and then we kind of get the Julius Randle that we'd seen throughout his career of having high highs and low lows. So it would not shock me if he ended up getting traded to. And reportedly, the um the Mavericks are trying to trade out of 10, which is hilarious because they pretty much sank their season to get that 10th overall pick. So it would be interesting to see if they actually stick and pick there. But all right, let's go ahead and play our game of believable or buffoonery. And admittedly, I wrote this question before, you know, the Malcolm Brogdon potential trade to the Clippers came, but screw it, I'll still ask. Um, It's being reported that while the Clippers would like to have Russell Russell Westbrook back, even though they want him to take a bit of a hometown discount to make it happen, the team has also been linked to the likes of Malcolm Brogdon recently, Chris Paul, etc. So... Let's say the Malcolm Brogdon trade does not happen. Believable or buffoonery, the Clippers should prioritize bringing in CP3 over keeping Russell Westbrook. Uh, I'm going to say buffoonery because I think, like, Russ really won, a, really won a lot of those guys over when he was there. Like, I remember... Um, I don't listen to, like, the full podcast or Paul George's podcast, but I always listen to, like, the clips that I see on YouTube. And I remember, like, it was one of the clips and he was talking about Russ and how, like, how much everyone in their organization loved him when he came there and, like, what he meant and what he did for their organization. Like, and I think that, like, you, I think you should keep that because also like Russ, Russ is from LA, right. and he, fit, in my opinion, he fits more the vibe of being a Clipper than he ever did being a Laker. Yeah. So, yeah, and I mean, yeah, I think they should. He, I think, and I think it's just a better basketball fit. So I would say yes. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you as well. I mean, 
for everything that you said. And I mean, if you need any other example of Russell Westbrook's up, um, production and contributions to the team, look no further than the playoffs. I mean, him and Paul, Paul George is unavailable. Him and Kawhi going at it. Then boom, Kawhi gets hurt. Russell Westbrook is giving them their his all. And of course, everybody expected them to lose that series, but by the way that Russ played, it really had everyone thinking that they had a legitimate shot to get it done. And so because of that, I'm riding with Russ. I think that it makes more sense to keep him around. I don't know if he's going to take a hometown discount, but I hope that in some form or fashion, they find a way to keep him in L.A. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to the next question. And this one revolves around Draymond Green, who yesterday declined his $27 million player option and is slated to test free agency while the team hopes to re-sign him everything's a bit up in the air right now so believable or buffoonery we have seen the last of draymond green in the golden state warriors jersey i think it's buffoonery because i think he's going to test free agency and he's going to see that no one is going to be willing to pay him what he thinks he deserves and he'll end up re-signing with golden state yeah i'm calling uh, buffoonery on that as well just because like you said at this stage of his career and not even just because of him as a player but who really wants to deal with everything that Draymond Green is off of the court and because the Warriors of course he can kind of get away with some of the BS that he does because he's Draymond Green he's been there forever everybody's kind of just used to him being that person However, that's not going to fly anywhere else. So I'm calling buffoonery on that as well. And then last but not least, um, yeah, last but not least, we kind of talked about Bradley Beal and his deal. And one of the reasons why the Warriors had, I mean, not the Warriors, the Wizards kind of had to take a deal that was a bit less than inspiring is because of Bradley Beal's true no trade clause, which means they really cannot trade him unless he agrees to go to a certain team, which means that the team has to kind of take whatever they can get if, with regards to a player. He is one of 10 NBA players who have that clause, which is includes David Robinson, John Stockton, Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, Dirk Nowitzki, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, and Carmelo Anthony. It's a pretty controversial move and had one NBA fan said, I'm willing to bet good money that we've seen the last no trade clause in NBA history. Believable or buffoonery, that is the case. We won't see it again. I think it's buffoonery because I think you're going to, you're going to get one of the top like generational talents and they're going to get it again. Uh, yeah, I think it's buffoonery as well because, I mean, if you really want to appeal to somebody – they're not like for example let's say lebron really wants to go play with Bronny. any team he goes to is going to have that in his contract because he's not going to want to stop playing with Bronny. so it's going to happen again i just hope that teams are more selective with who they give it to because i love bradley beal that's my boy but compared to the other names on that list of players who had that clause he's not on that level <laughs> Cause that's when you start naming the names, I'm like, bro, you you're naming all time great Hall of Famers. Like, like even Melo, like yeah, Melo is a hall. In my opinion, Melo is a Hall of Famer. Bradley Beal ain't no. Bradley Beal doesn't even light a candlestick to Melo's career, in my opinion. No, 
And so it's insane that Brad, of all people, Bradley Beal got one. And I love him, <laughs> but he should not have gotten one. But shout out to his agent for working his magic. Uh, but yeah, it's it's going to happen again. I just hope that teams are much more selective in who they give it to. But all right, that is our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, please be sure to check out thexreport.net. I repeat, thexreport.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Pre-episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. Ethan, anything you want to say about NFL, the NBA draft coming up, or just upcoming NBA free agency that you think we should talk about before we get out of here? Uh. Grizzlies, don't trade Tyus Jones. Not yet, at least. Let, yeah. At least, you know, let y'all come back. Because I think if you roll out with anybody besides Tyus and, like, the rest of the starting five, we're saying whoever is that small for, I just don't think it's going to work. Um, but, yeah, don't do that. As far as NFL, like, Again, I'm just ready for some football. Um, That's where I'm at at this point. Because the only stuff on is baseball and, like, golf and tennis. And, yeah, those aren't fun. Not at all. Not at all. Um, I'm a big believer. Go to a baseball game. They're more fun than, like, watching it on TV. But, yeah, golf and tennis, yeah, not my thing. Um, I got a lot of nothing. I'm excited for the NBA draft. I'll admit as you all have probably guessed, when it comes to NFL draft, I'm watching, I'm listening to podcasts, I'm watching film, I am all in it. The NBA draft, not so much, but I still like drafts. I like getting the analysis and kind of getting an idea of who these players are and what they can be expected to bring to the team. So I'm excited for the draft. I'm excited to see how it all shakes out. And we're going to look up and in nine days, NBA free agency is going to officially start. And we all know that is a hot mess so i am very excited about that very excited that you guys are still here listening we greatly appreciate it and we will see you all next time